to the Doomsday Bunker Podcast. Your weekly program will be discussing topics such as conspiracy theories, movie theories, and disaster situations. So make sure you're secure in your bunker, and let's start the show. Welcome to the Doomsday Bunker Podcast. My name is Joseph, and I am the host of this podcast. Each and every week, we will be discussing topics such as conspiracy theories, movie theories, and disaster situations. And this week's episode is a little bit of a continuation on from the last episode. This week's episode will be about conspiracy theories from Cartoon Network cartoons. But before we continue, I just want to give a little bit of an explanation. I am terribly sorry that last week there wasn't a new episode. Going forward, we will hopefully try to have a new episode every week, every Thursday, as promised. But without wasting any more of you guys' time, let's jump into the episode. So to start off the episode, we'll be talking about Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Now, Ed, Ed, and Eddie was a 90s slash early 2000 cartoon. It was one of my favorites. I always liked watching to see what the Eds would get up to. But this conspiracy theory goes as far to say that everybody in the cul-de-sac is dead. Some of the examples that they give is the fact that all of the kids have weirdly colored tongues, not normal pink colored tongues, which if you know when people die, sometimes their tongues might swell up or they might change a different color or get sores on them. Don't want to get too gross. But that's one of the reasons why a lot of people on the Internet that I've read have said that everybody has died. Also, part of this conspiracy theory is that they think that every kid has died in the cul-de-sac, but it's from a different era, such as Rolf would be kind of from the 1900s because he doesn't have a lot of technology. He likes to farm. He tends to be by himself and not really speak modern language. Like, you can understand him, but some of the things he says, you're starting to wonder, like, do you really know what you're talking about? Naz turns out to be a child from the 70s just because she's got the carefree kind of hippie lifestyle going on. And they say that Kevin is from the 90s because he's got that kind of lowrider bike. He also has the hat backwards. That was kind of the style of the 90s. This theory is very interesting because it goes so far as to say that the cul-de-sac is just purgatory for all of the children, which is why when you watch the cartoon, Rarely, if ever, do you see any adults. There's also not any worry for food or for bills or for anything, really. The only type of money you see used is just when the Edge try and go and get jawbreakers. They got to scam all the kids to get their money. This theory I can get behind because I know it's a cartoon. Obviously, you don't want to see injury or death or anything like that. And that's not what I'm suggesting. But if we suspend our disbelief for a second and you see, you watch the show, you see a bunch of the kids, mostly the Eds, because either their plan fails or Kevin's beating up on them. But you see them get injured a lot. Things dropped on them, you know, like most 90s cartoons. And you don't ever see anybody have to go to the hospital, have a broken leg, anything like that. So it would make sense that if they're in purgatory, obviously nothing can hurt them because they're already dead. Another favorite cartoon that I used to watch as a kid was Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Now, this conspiracy theory says that Frankie is an imaginary friend herself. Now, for those who haven't seen it in a while or who haven't seen it at all, 
Frankie is a 16 to 20 something year old that helps take care of the friends at the home with her grandmother. Now the explanation behind this is that Frankie had some sort of accident which unfortunately caused her to pass away and her grandmother, Madame Foster, who created the whole house, was very distraught and upset about the fact that she lost her granddaughter. So she imagined her granddaughter as an imaginary friend so that she would always be there with her and throughout the house. And that's why you also never see her go to school or go out on dates or really have a social life with anybody outside of the house. Now, most people, me included, would just chalk this up to it's a family business. She's really just trying to help her elderly grandmother because, you know, she can't do everything. And at the house, which is like six stories tall, you can't run the house by yourself. But it's still a very interesting thought that, again, anybody could be made into an imaginary friend. The whole point of the show is that kids imagine friends and then when they don't want them, they go to this foster house to hopefully get adopted. So if something did happen to her granddaughter, she could just imagine her and no one would really know the difference. The next theory we're going to talk about is two cartoons wrapped in one. And this one is about the Flintstones and the Jetsons take place on the exact same era of time. And the theory behind this one is there was a nuclear war that happened and sent everybody down on Earth back into the Stone Ages. And then everybody that was rich enough, that had enough money that could live in the air, went up and built a society up there. And this one is quite interesting because it goes back to the whole, right now we have billionaires that are paying just to go up to space just because they can. And Elon Musk is trying to get us to Mars to see if it is suitable for life so that we could get off Earth in the event that Earth becomes inhabitable. And the explanation for this one is just that the animals in the Flintstone area can use tools and can talk. And so people think that when the nuclear war was going on, there was some mutation between animals and humans and maybe have even pushed them together and they're part animal, part human. The problem I have with this one is just, one, there are no dinosaurs back when a nuclear war could have happened. If they were regular animals or household pets, I could understand. And even if they were still pet lookalikes, but they were just a little mutated, that I could understand. But just looking like dinosaurs in general, I can't really get on board with it. Plus, just because we can't see what's above the Flintstones or below the Jensen's, that's not necessarily enough for me to be convinced on this conspiracy theory, unfortunately, but still creative. These next couple of theories we will be talking about will be from my favorite cartoon, but also one of the more questionable and scary cartoons as a kid. I'm talking about Curse the Cowardly Dog. Now, if you haven't seen the show, I can guarantee you that you've at least heard about it because it's been iconic about how spooky and how creepy it was for being a kid's cartoon. The first theory states that Courage, Muriel, and Eusis are all living in a simulation. And the explanation behind this is every single time that they say they live in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by no one, suddenly these paranormal, supernatural characters show up and cause all kind of mishap for a whole episode, making their lives terrible, and then suddenly it all just goes back to normal. And you sit there and wonder, well, we saw them get chopped up. 
or we saw that they got turned into puppets, or Eustace lost his head. How all of a sudden are they just back to normal? And don't get me wrong, if you've seen the show, you know Courage is a godsend. He does everything he can for Muriel. He's a tough old little dog. But there's no way, day after day, coincidence or not, all these characters show up, make their life terrible. The theory goes that they are living in a simulation under the government. The government is trying to use them to see if they can train other people, mainly military personnel, to fight any kind of creature, whether that be a robot from the sky, or alien ducks, or some kind of mutated mastermind cat. They're all just trying to set up these simulations to see if they could throw everything at them. If ordinary people can live, so could military personnel. With that being said, that leads into the second theory, which is nowhere, which is where they live, has been hit with a nuclear bomb, and everybody in the city, not by Muriel and Eustace, but everybody in the city that we see in a couple episodes, have been mutated into certain kind of things, such as, like I said, the mastermind serial killer cat, or Laquack, who is a mastermind duck. All of these creatures used to be regular people. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that it was a nuclear war, because also there's been a conspiracy going around that where they live in the middle of nowhere is supposed to be Roswell, New Mexico. So they could have dropped a bomb testing out something right by that military base, or it could have been a nuclear war. But these two theories, the first one I can kind of get behind because it is quite weird that they live in the middle of nowhere. They're supposed to be a peaceful old couple and suddenly you have gods and you have curses and you have different kinds of creatures coming to take Muriel or kill them or make them into some kind of stew. The whole show is very weird. So I can get behind the first one, but the second one, not so much just because one, Everybody keeps saying that anything is a nuclear war, and I'm just not taking that answer anymore. Secondly, you do go see the city in some of the scenes, and you see that there are regular people there. So if a nuclear bomb would have hit and either mutated, it would have either killed the other people or also would have mutated them, and some of them are just perfectly fine background boring characters. So all in all, I would like to believe the conspiracy theories because I want them to be just as creepy as the show, but I don't really believe much of them. Like I said, the first one, I could kind of believe, not really the second one. But moving on to one of the more iconic cartoons of our childhood, I don't necessarily know if it was a Cartoon Network exclusive, but I remember watching it there when I was a little kid. And this one is about the Looney Tunes, specifically the Roadrunner and the Coyote. This one states that the Roadrunner owns Acme and purposely puts out Acme products for the Coyote to find and try to use against the Roadrunner, and ultimately it will fail. This conspiracy theory I found really fascinating, but also if it was true, that would be pretty smart on the Roadrunner because the Coyote is constantly, day after day, trying to go after this Roadrunner, trying to catch him. Obviously, he can't catch him on his own two feet. So he's like, what's better to use than Acme products? Well, if the Roadrunner owns Acme and he puts out these products that purposely will fail either inches before he gets to the Roadrunner or goes zooming right past him where he falls almost to his death where another giant rock would fall on him, 
it would be just genius if the Roadrunner owned Acme. The next two theories are about the cartoon Scooby-Doo. The first one is about how the whole mystery gang is a bunch of draft dodgers. Now, this one states that since the cartoon came out in the 1960s during the Vietnam War, it states that Fred knew he wouldn't be a good soldier, so him and his fiancée Daphne started the group called the Mystery Gang, started driving around in a bus. Velma is an anti-war protester, so she gladly joined the group. And then there's Shaggy, who was just living off the land as a hippie and didn't want to join the war either, even though I'm not 100% sure if he was living off the land, if they would even be able to somehow draft him, because one, he doesn't have a, a permanent address, so it's not like they could mail him a draft letter anyways. The second theory takes place in the 1920s, saying that Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Gang are foiling a bunch of down-and-out people trying to steal money from the government during the Depression area. Now, this theory, it gets kind of complicated, but at the same time, it's kind of understandable. During the Dust Bowl, you know, the economy was down, people were losing money, banks were shut down. So the theory goes that all these people that were running businesses that are losing money would stage a some kind of quote-unquote monster attack or steal money or steal property or something so that the police would look into it so that they can claim some insurance money for the damages or for some of the trauma or whatever they could claim money for. Because again, it was the 1920s, not a lot of people had money. So wherever you could get money, especially if you could claim some damages, why not? Both these theories I don't necessarily get on board with. I can believe the draft one, because again, back in the 40s and 60s, they made cartoons based on what was happening, obviously, around the world. And so that I can believe. The second one, not so much. I also didn't watch Scooby-Doo a lot as a kid. It wasn't my forte. I know it's a lot of people's favorite cartoon and is on the top 10 most cartoons that you should watch from the 90s. I didn't really like it, but I could get on board with the draft theory. This next cartoon, I know it isn't Cartoon Network or Disney, but I'm still putting it on the end of this list just because it's iconic. And I know a lot of people have seen The Simpsons, and a lot of people have seen almost all of their episodes, and the whole lore behind The Simpsons can predict a lot of things in the United States and the world in general. And so I just wanted to put one at the end here that I thought was pretty interesting, but also at the same time kind of creepy if you think about it. And that theory being Krusty the Clown and Homer Simpson are the exact same person. Now, this conspiracy theory says that Homer Simpson is Krusty the Clown, and this was actually partly confirmed by Matt Groening himself, saying that he made both Homer and Krusty to look the same because he was planning on an episode coming up where everybody would find out that Homer was Krusty the Clown. It has since been scrapped, and that idea is no longer in play. But it's still interesting to think that Bart has a turbulent relationship with his dad, Obviously, he's always playing tricks, throwing stuff, letting stuff drop on him, what have you. And they don't have the best father-son relationship. But yet, when it comes to Krusty, 
he idolizes Krusty and he always laughs at Krusty. You know, Krusty is kind of like the father figure that he never had, which ties into something interesting that if Homer is Krusty, then he's still trying to connect with his son, even though in his everyday to day life, he's not doing so well. It also brings up a really sad point that Krusty does a lot of bad habits, such as smoking and drinking. He's depressed. And so it really makes you think, is Homer actually doing all this for show? Or is this how he feels because every day someone makes fun of him or tells him that he's a terrible person at his job or that he's just the dumbest person on the planet? And so it's really interesting to think that maybe it's not Homer that's crusty. It's Krusty is the real Homer, and Homer Simpson is just the facade that everybody sees. While on the topic of The Simpsons, another unpopular opinion I have is I know that, like I said, the lore around The Simpsons is they predict something, and later on in the future it happens, such as people say that they predicted the coronavirus and the killer bees, and you see someone sneeze into a box that gets shipped to Springfield, and everybody gets sick, and they have to stay home, and people relate that a lot to quarantine and to the coronavirus that they, you know, predicted it, and oh my god, it's a big thing. I don't necessarily believe that, because one, you just sneezed into a box that could have been anything, and with the murder hornets, which were called the killer bees in the same episode, where someone opens a box, and they get sick and knock over a box that says killer bees, all of this, the celebrity deaths that they predict, it's interesting, but I think it's more so a coincidence. You can predict anything if you say something and you let a long enough time pass to where eventually it's bound to happen. And so that in itself could be seen as a conspiracy theory because, again, it's something that's not proven or confirmed. But people think that there's some crystal ball or, oh, they can see into the future or something. Or, again, it's purely coincidence. Now, I know some people believe this to be true, and I'm not here dumping on anybody's idea. I really like the show. I'm just saying, me personally, a lot of the theories that come out of this as far as, oh, they predicted this or they predicted Donald Trump or whatever. I'm not necessarily sold on the idea that they can predict the future, but again, I can see how some people find it interesting, and I'm just putting forth the information about these theories. Now, moving on swiftly to our next conspiracy theory before people come with pitchforks because I insulted the Simpsons and their ability to predict things. The next theory is about Dexter's laboratory, and the theory goes that Dexter has accidentally killed his entire family due to an experiment gone wrong in his lab. Now this theory goes to state that Dexter was out of the house somewhere, indeed he got into his lab again, messed with some kind of experiment, and ended up exploding the house which killed his family. And unfortunately Dexter couldn't live with this reality that one, he was now all by himself, an orphan pretty much. Secondly, his lab was to blame for his family's downfall, so he recreated all of them, but that's also part of the reason why they're a lot dumber throughout the entire show. Like, one, the parents pay the bills. I mean, I pay bills? And let me tell you, when I accidentally leave a light on in the house, I know when the bill goes up and I'm already frustrated. Let alone a huge lab that constantly takes up a bunch of energy. You're telling me that you don't notice that at all in the bill? Secondly, 
It states that Dee Dee was able to get into the lab without any problem. And then later on in the show, you start to see her just wandering in like she doesn't know how she got there and like she's never seen the lab before and then starts touching stuff again like she's never seen it before. And so Dexter, when he recreated his family, he couldn't exactly get it right, but he at least felt better knowing the fact that he was able to create them in the lab back to almost the way they were, just a slightly less of an IQ. Jumping off from that point, another conspiracy theory about Dexter's laboratory is that Dee Dee isn't actually Dexter's sister, but Dexter's daughter from the future. Now, this one goes to state that Dee Dee was sent from the future back in time by Dexter to stop him from creating an experiment that will end up exploding and killing their parents, but Dee Dee obviously wasn't in the house because she's not from that time period. So every time you see her in the cartoon, she's going back in time to stop him from either making another mistake with another experiment, or she's trying to keep an eye on Dexter in general, because if he doesn't survive or the family doesn't survive, then she wouldn't survive. So she always gets sent back in time. She's always there to watch him. And there was even one episode where she was there helping him just to go and show that she worked side by side with her dad in the future so that when she gets sent back in time, she knows what to do, how to handle it, and how to stop a situation from getting to be a catastrophic situation. And our last theory for the episode takes the show The Powerpuff Girls and Samurai Jack and connects them together. Now this one's a bit convoluted. And I didn't really watch much Samurai Jack when I was a kid. And I watched even fewer Powerpuff Girls. I mean, I saw some, but not a lot. This one claims that at the end of Samurai Jack, when he's facing Aku one last time, Aku opens a portal and they get sucked into a different time where Samurai Jack becomes Professor Utonium and Aku becomes a special X chemical that is used to create the Powerpuff Girls. And throughout this whole thing, he is trying to figure out a way back to his time area and where he came from so that he could defeat Aku. But then when he finds out that Aku has become the special X chemical, he spends all of his time studying and learning how it works till eventually he's able to make something magnificent out of something so evil, which is where the Powerpuff Girls come in. And this one is kind of interesting because, like I said, I knew a little bit of Samurai Jack and a little bit of the Powerpuff Girls. And if you put Samurai Jack and Professor Utonium together, they look the same, except for Samurai Jack has a ponytail. But it's interesting to think that they could cross in between different universes. Like I was saying with the Pixar about how they're all on one timeline, it makes it interesting to think if these cartoons could also be on the same timeline because otherwise how could Aku know to bring him to the Powerpuff Girls universe or vice versa? I think this one's very interesting. I don't necessarily know if it's plausible or if it's believable. I just find it very interesting. Also a conspiracy theory from the Powerpuff Girls is that Mojo Jojo is the girls' brother. It is stated that Professor Utonium made Mojo Jojo in his lab to be able to talk and to be able to function like an adult, but then slowly started to reject what he had made 
because it wasn't in the likeness that he wanted, like when he made the girls. And so Mojo Jojo grew up to resent and to hate Professor Utonium for just dumping him aside when it wasn't what he wanted, even though he didn't ask to be created like this. And so he took out a personal vengeance to try and take out the girls and take out something that Professor Utonium loved so that maybe either one, he can exact his revenge and make Professor Utonium feel how he felt when he was just tossed away, or he can just rip away something that Professor Utonium loves and just hurt him because he was hurt by just being tossed. I say this one is pretty believable because if you think about it, how else would Mojo Jojo have grown to be so intelligent and smart and have super strength to be able to go up against the girls other than to have Professor Utonium create him in a lab. So I say this one would be pretty plausible. Okay, guys, so that does it for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed. And like I said, I am so, so sorry that we didn't have an episode last week. But like I said, going forward, hopefully there will be no more issues and we'll be able to have a new episode for you every week. But if you did enjoy this episode, please give it a like, give it a review on Spotify or wherever you're listening and follow the podcast. It helps me out a lot. Go tell your friends and family about it. We really need to grow the channel. So I keep doing this more and more often for you guys. But thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. If you like what you heard, come back next week for another episode as we post a new episode every Thursday. Every Thursday. Until then, stay safe and we'll see you next time. <laughs>